You're listening to Podnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. I'm Teresa Carey. Every week, journalists from Fierce Healthcare dive into some of the industry's biggest topics. We talk with experts about what's important now so you can prepare for the future. Earlier this month, Fierce hosted a free virtual event, the Fierce Healthpayer Summit. As health plans continue to grow, a key target has emerged, Medicare Advantage. Because of the market's rapid growth, insurers are investing more in elderly people. At the summit, we heard from industry experts and top executives on the lessons they're learning. If you missed the summit, don't worry. I'm going to share some highlights with you today. In a little bit, we'll eavesdrop on a panel that discusses what's next in addressing seniors' social needs. But first up, let's talk about what went down at the panel discussing how Medicare Advantage plans are rethinking their sales pitch. Medicare's annual enrollment window is underway. That means a flurry of activity for health insurers who are aiming to grow their reach in a very hot market. Experts expect that Medicare Advantage enrollment will top half of all Medicare beneficiaries in 2023. And that's only expected to continue to grow as the program's popularity increases. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services expects that 31.2 million people will enroll in Medicare Advantage for 2023. Senior Editor Paige Minnemeyer hosted a panel at the Fierce Healthcare Summit to discuss how payers are shifting their approach. On the panel were experts from Oscar Health, Scan Health Plan, and Clover Health. Here's Paige with more. In a crowded market, payers need to rethink the way they approach outreach to members outside of traditional brokers and phone calls to reach people. I do think um, when we think about marketing, um, we all compete in um, very highly penetrated, fiercely competitive um, Medicare Advantage markets. So what we think about at SCAN is how do we differentiate ourselves, um, given that we have lots of strong competitors. Um, And as a non-for-profit and mission-driven organization, as an example, um, that's something that we like to communicate that to us as a differentiator. That's Sherry Stanislaw, General Manager and Network Officer at SCAN Health Plan. She says that in a typical annual enrollment period, the insurer would add about 20,000 new members. But this year, SCAN saw huge enrollment growth, adding more than 62,000 members. That's about 30% growth. It is hoping to replicate that trend for 2023. And of note, about 25% of SCAN's new members said they jumped ship from a United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plan. United Healthcare is the market leader in Medicare Advantage and boasts membership of 8.2 million people. Stanislaw said that smaller regional plans are able to have greater intimacy with their members and can adjust more nimbly to their needs, which may make them an attractive alternative to the larger multinational plans. Clover's chief growth officer, Pradeep Singh, said that Clover Health, a growing insure tech, also felt that shift over the past year. So I think consumers are seeing some of that and, and they're saying, hey, this is a good plan. This is a fresh face in the market and they're trying something different. And if we're doing a good job marketing to them all of those things, I think it's it's a great opportunity for, for younger plans to, to grow in the market. Singh said that new entrants to the Medicare Advantage market are joining with a strong core value proposition, but that doesn't necessarily translate to immediate success. Instead, conveying that message to the member becomes the challenge. 
Singh said that Clover aims to make its plans feel obvious or easy to understand and gravitate toward. For 2022, Clover Health's MA membership increased by 25% year over year, putting it ahead of its full year membership guidance for the year. Clover's plans are built on its tech stack, which is central to its marketing strategy. According to Singh, that tech-focused mindset both offers a tentpole for marketing and the ability to innovate on approaches. Oscar Health's chief marketing officer, Jackie Kahn, echoed Singh. We think there's a lot of opportunity to grow there because of how we were born as a company and how we leverage data to sort of reinforce um, the product and how we engage with our members. Medicare Advantage represents a sliver of Oscar's membership, just 4,658 members in Q2 out of its 1 million plus total reach. Khan said that as more people age into the program, the consumer base is increasingly tech-savvy. This shift is making tech-enabled coverage like Oscars more effective. MA enrollment at Oscar continues to grow steadily as a result. A more technologically confident membership base has insurers of all size looking at digital avenues and other less traditional options for outreach. Humana, for instance, the second largest MA insurer nationally, fell far short of its anticipated enrollment for 2022. As part of an ongoing pivot to bolster its core MA product, CEO Bruce Broussard told investors earlier this year that the company would do a full-scale review of its marketing, including investment in digital capabilities. The panelists have all felt a similar shift in interest for digital outreach, though they are not predicting that phone calls and TV ads are going away just yet. I don't think it's been a monumental shift where, you know, all of a sudden, like we think everything's going to shift to digital um, overnight. I do think that it will happen. There will be a tipping point one day, probably. And I think there's a lot of things that could end up, you know, structurally changing for that to happen. If anything is clear, the panelists told me, it's that Medicare Advantage's growth trajectory is far from over. The value proposition is just so strong. So I'm obviously um, bullish. Um, on Medicare Advantage. I think it's a growing um, uh, uh, business and one that um, is, is consumers are going to continue to seek out. That was Paige Minimeyer, and we've got more from Paige. She also hosted a panel that dug into the importance of addressing social determinants of health. One of the main selling points of Medicare Advantage is that it's able to provide benefits targeting seniors' social health needs in ways that traditional Medicare can't. COVID-19 put the biggest spotlight yet on social health challenges and inequities, and plans are expected to meet those challenges head-on. Tech-enabled solutions offer one path to address the social needs of MA members in a convenient, personalized way. Paige Minimeyer sat down with Elena McFan, president of Medicare at Elevance Health, Kate Goodrich, chief medical officer at Humana, and Andrew Parker, founder and CEO of PAPA, to discuss what the post-pandemic landscape looks like for social determinants of health and the latest innovations insurers can bring to the table to address those social needs. And here's an excerpt from that panel. Hi, everyone. My name is Paige Minnemeyer, Senior Editor at Fierce Healthcare, and we'll be discussing the role that Medicare Advantage can play in managing seniors' social needs. Medicare Advantage has a lot of flexibility that can that you can use to address social needs for seniors, especially when compared to traditional Medicare, the supplemental benefits and kind of the ability that MA has that maybe traditional Medicare doesn't. And that's evolved over time and, and new flexibilities have been added. I mean, how have you seen 
thinking around social determinants in, in Medicare Advantage kind of change as the program has, has grown? Um, maybe, Kate, if you want to take that first. Well, I think an obvious one is that, first of all, there's just much greater recognition <laughs> that um, the social health uh, needs are a root cause of poor health and truly need to get um, integrated um, into not just the clinical care, but how we as payers think about our members. Um, and so this has also helped bring a clearer picture of the value of addressing social health needs, which, of course, is really important to not just, you know, uh, members and, and providers, but also uh, to payers. Um, so for example, we know that members who have one or more health-related social needs have over 50% higher rate of avoidable hospitalizations. That is a you know, value driver for us as a business. And more importantly, um, is a really important factor for our members themselves and their quality of life. I think the other thing that I've been really interested to see, especially from my days uh, when I used to work at CMS, uh, I worked a lot on um, interoperability and trying to get the right data elements for quality measurement and for payment. Um, but, you know, I would say that um, there's a lot of work going on right now. In particular, I'll highlight the Gravity Project that is part of HL7, um, which is a national multi-sector collaborative that um, seeks to uh, define health-related social need information, so even very specific data elements, so that it can be um, standardized and exchanged across disparate clinical uh, digital platforms. Um, and this is actually an official HL7 fire accelerator project. So I think this is an incredibly exciting body of work. I think that having these data standards that can be exchanged across health systems and, uh, and other types of platforms um, can help to reduce barriers to care coordination um, and actually can help providers take better care of patients. Um, you know, Dr. Goodrich raised the point of data. I would say that, you know, five to 10 years ago, I don't know that we were really talking about, and I don't know if we were really adept as an industry about using the data for using artificial intelligence to help us all figure out what are the, how do we get to those members who are at risk and how do we help them? Like, how do we get predictive about their situation? Um, so, you know, um, members' mental well-being um, has a significant impact on their health and their attitude towards maintaining their health, getting to the physician to get preventive care screenings done. Um, and by using artificial intelligence and pulling together all of our data stores, we are able to say, okay, this is someone who is at risk for um, a bad outcome or they have, or they are more likely to take that next best action to improve their health if we reach out to them um, or if we um, uh, deploy our member connect program where we have trained volunteers um, who um, are there to be a friend, who place calls to our members uh, and who we can um, surround with the ability to uh, help get a member referred into a clinical program or make things easier for them to access their social uh, drivers of health uh, solutions. Uh, I personally was a member connect uh, caller for the last uh, year, and I really enjoyed that opportunity. Uh, several of my executive colleagues are because it allows them to get a view into the world of the Medicare Advantage member uh, because Andrew's team will go in and see it. Um, we may hear it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the Medicare Advantage players will all, you know, put our, uh, we'll all work with our own data to make sure that our members are getting the right health outcomes. 
Yeah, I, I love that. Just just to add a little bit, I think what we've seen over time is kind of the evolution of what does healthcare really mean. And I think we all have heard, you know, healthcare has historically been sick care, and it's moving. And I am excited about it away from that. And you know, these two organizations are leading the charge there, where it used to just be clinical reactionary. Then we started to say, you know what, mental health matters. It's not just physically what's happening to you. And now we've seen the rise of you know behavioral health services and really people also being you know, to a point you made earlier, Dr. Goodrich, around, you know, I'm a little bit ashamed. People are less ashamed over the fact that they may have mental health issues in the pandemic. Actually, one of the positive things that came out of that is the rise of that. And then now we're taking it a step further and saying your social, physical, and mental health, which is really whole person health, is critical to making you a, healthy, a happier and healthier person and also lowers cost for the health system which is really a beautiful thing, hence why member experience has become such a critical component from CMS. And it's truly because that kind of encompasses everything you're doing, making sure the person's coordinated, making sure that they have access to a PAL or other services, and making sure we support them, not only once they have some issue and a claim shows up, but also from a proactive perspective. And everything PAPA has done, our entire ethos is around supporting people proactively, not reactively. That's why we see a significant amount of usage in our product because you don't have to have a cold or pink eye or ear infection or something more severe to talk to a doctor. You may need that too, but you could just have an unmet social need, which is pretty much everyone, including you know the people on this call. Um, and I just want to say I love the volunteer program that uh, Elevance is doing. Uh, at Papa, we have uh, a uh, one of our core values is be a pal. And in fact, mm -hmm. I'm a pal. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, I went and I took a gentleman and his wife to get their passport done, which maybe doesn't seem like there's a healthcare impact. But in fact, she was then able to go see her family in Bolivia, who is obviously critical to her life and her longevity and her parent. And so it's this kind of positive chain of effect where a pal, from our perspective, becomes that connective tissue and really lets health plans get into the home of their members in a way that they couldn't before. And uh, Elena read my mind a little bit. Um, certainly, there we were not having some of these conversations maybe five, 10 years ago, uh, the same way we are today. I mean, where you, what issues are you maybe seeing around social needs that are front and center now, but maybe the conversation really wasn't going on even that, that long ago? Um, you know, let's, uh, so let's look at it from the perspective of the pandemic. Um, I think one of the things that we all learned through this process early on is that everybody needs help sometimes. Uh, and um, so this actually caused us to, to increase our conversations and our uh, around social needs for our members uh, because community health affects everyone. Um, and getting in to address those barriers together is absolutely critical. Um, I'll point out that um, CMS has taken a really important step uh, by requiring special needs plans in the STARS program to um, include uh, social drivers of health screenings and questions in the, in the health risk assessment. So there's something that a few years ago, another example of something a few years ago that we would not um, have expected. The STARS program has evolved from focusing on HEDIS to more focusing on the experience. And an important part of that member's experience is, do we know what's truly driving their health? And how do we get at that? Well, for, for special needs uh, plans members, 
we should know what their social drivers of health are and what the conditions are. So that allows us to then deploy our, make sure that they're taking advantage of their value-added benefits, uh, get them into enhanced care coordination and other services that, uh, that we can provide. Um, I, I might add, um, I do think that we all know that COVID clearly shown a bright light um, on the value of addressing social health, health needs. It shown a bright light on uh, our health equity gap, certainly. Um, and it, I think, raised more mainstream awareness on things like food insecurity and loneliness. And I think probably has started to reduce stigma. I mean, uh, you know, we talked a minute ago about how over time the stigma around mental health issues has also started to decrease. And hopefully we're starting to see some of the same uh, the same thing with social health needs. I think, you know, for us, um, when COVID began, um, it really helped to accelerate um, a variety of what I'll call member engagement campaigns, including a basic needs program focused on identifying our members who were food insecure or at risk of becoming food insecure. You know, in addition to data, we also developed a sort of predictive model around mm -hmm. social health needs. Um, and so, you know, we began a campaign to deliver meals uh, to our members who were e either had food insecurity that we knew had that um, or were at risk for it. Uh, we actually uh, pivoted our uh, care management program uh, to really, you know, immediately focus on not only identifying members who may have health needs, maybe we worried people couldn't get their prescriptions, but in those phone calls also very directly addressed um, those social health needs as well so that we could get them plugged in uh, to our campaigns. Um, we also uh, had a social connection campaign called Far From Alone, which was really focused on addressing loneliness and social isolation uh, in our members across the country. So I do think it was an opportunity to um, do some of the things that, you know, frankly, we should all be doing um, all the time, but the need was so acute. Um, but I'm really hoping that this really does start to lessen that stigma, not just for us as a payer. It's, I'm not actually as worried about that. I think we're very focused on these areas, but overall for, um, you know, seniors who have these health-related social needs um, to be able to talk about them and hopefully be able to get them addressed through the efforts of payers, providers, CMS, what they're doing, as you mentioned, I'm just so proud of what they're starting to do there as well. Um, so hopefully we'll see that going forward. Yeah, and just, just to, from, a, from our perspective, you know, this is all great. Uh, we're helping with social care, but what does that mean? These are businesses at the end of the day. So can we balance running a business in a way that's logical and helping people with their social mm -hmm. needs? And the answer is yes. In fact, Papa has been studying our product and our services since, since day one, and we're always getting better. Um, but some of the data points I could bring up is after participating in a pop-up program, the average members rating for their health plan moved from a four-star ranking uh, to above a five-star threshold for the health plan rating for the CAPS measure, which is significant, which effectively says that lonely people that become less lonely are actually going to have a better experience with their health plan from a member experience perspective that will show up in their CAPS results. Another example that we've seen is reduction of member churn. Members who enroll in PAPA can experience up to an 11.2% decrease in member churn compared to members that are not enrolled in PAPA. And then ultimately, those things are interesting and that's really valuable, but we've reduced loneliness by 69%. 45% of our members have reported a reduced or sorry, an increased number of physical and mental unhealthy days. And we've been able to reduce complete uh, concrete costs 
In fact, in some programs, we've been able to lower ED visits by 34% and others more. And so this is social care proving that it actually is also good business and driving good outcomes and lowering costs for the healthcare uh, system across the United States. Well, thank you all for, for joining me today and sharing your insights. And I appreciate our audience for tuning in as well. Thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank it's you. great to see you again, Paige. Thank you for listening to Podnosis. I'm Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more news and stories at FierceHealthcare.com. Next week, we're going to take a look at health data privacy and the American Data Privacy and Protection Act. So come Wednesday morning, tune into Podnosis, where healthcare is our beat.